Aloha, you're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I'm your host, Chad Ford. I'm with, again, the Athletics' Tony Jones. It's been really fun talking to you, Tony, throughout the NCAA tournament. This is going to be our last pod about live college basketball games, our final four pod where we talk about draft stock for players that played in the NCAA Final Four. Let's just start with your overall impressions. Baylor's the national champions. You predicted this, Tony, coming into into the tournament. You had Baylor as your champs. I had picked Gonzaga and, and was clearly wrong here. Overall impression of the game? Um... You know, we've talked about this off, off, off air, but I mean, I, you know, I think I was surprised. Not that Baylor won, um, but you know, just how easy Baylor made it. Um, you know, and and I think that there are several factors. Number one, number one, first and foremost, I thought that the Bears were just a better team, uh, or at least last night they were. Um, you know, they picked a a a great time to play uh, their best game of the season. Um, you know, but, uh, I thought that Gonzaga was, was clearly fatigued in the first 15 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, whether or not, um, you know, an overtime game against, uh, UCLA in the, in the, uh, semifinal, uh, made an impact is, is, you know, up in the air. Um, but I, you know, I thought that it was one of those things where, you know, it's a boxing match and, and, and one guy just comes out and, and just jumps on another guy. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the other guy takes two or three, three rounds to, to figure out, you know, exactly what's going on. And, and, and by the time uh, Gonzaga got their legs and, 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 and figured some things out, you know, it, it was just, it was just too late. Um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, for the majority, the majority of games, um, I think, you know, you know, you, you, the first 10 minutes mean something, but they don't mean a lot. But in this case, in last night's case, the first 10 minutes were just everything. And, you know, Gonzaga just could not recover, uh, from, from what happened the first 10 minutes, you know, you, you look up, 10 minutes remaining in the first half and you're down 29 to 10, you know, you're going to make a run, but it's, it's just so hard to come back uh, from that against a team as, as, as good as Baylor. And, you know, I thought that, that Baylor just, they, they, they played uh, just an A plus game last night. And I I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. They they were fantastic. And you got to believe if, if they hadn't run into the COVID buzzsaw uh, while in big 12 play, that we may have had two undefeated teams playing each other right now. And maybe that would have have changed the perception a bit. But I I think athletically, I think from a toughness standpoint, I think to your point, they were more mentally and, and physically ready than Gonzaga was uh, in this game. Uh, They, they seemed to uh, be the aggressor um, throughout the entire game. And uh, once Gonzaga was on its heels, you know, that's just not a position that they're in uh, most nights. And I, I think it was really difficult for them. And look, you know, the other thing is they, they didn't hit threes. And uh, it's going to be really difficult when Baylor is both getting more shots 
and they were getting significantly more shots, but then you're not going to hit threes. You're going to go, you know, in the first half, one for nine from three. It's going to be really, really difficult. One of the reasons we wanted this matchup was because we were going to get to see Jalen Suggs, who had a historic performance in many ways against UCLA uh, and has earned that reputation as, you know, top three, top five pick uh, in the draft. Head to head with Davian Mitchell, who may have maybe one of the two guys, and we'll probably talk about the other guy in a minute, who has helped himself the most in this NCAA tournament uh, as far as NBA draft stock goes, going going head to head. They didn't they didn't always match up head to head throughout the night, but we got to see them on the same court together. I think it's really important to be able to gauge athleticism, you know, a lot of different skills when you get to see them head to head. Just forget about the game itself for a minute. From your perspective, who won this head-to-head matchup? Well, I mean, I, I think Mitchell won the head-to-head matchup. Um, you know, that being said, I still came away impressed with Suggs because, you know, this was, you know, this was a game where, you know, I mean, obviously the skill sets, it, it meant a lot, right? But this was a toughness game. And more than anything else, Baylor was just tougher collectively than Gonzaga was. Um, they made it a street fight. They made it a schoolyard brawl, and Gonzaga was just not tough. And, and Baylor, in many ways, punked Gonzaga. Um, and and, 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 and Jalen Suggs was the only guy that really stood up to Baylor in, in, in this sense. And he was the only guy that, you know, when when the Bears were just kind of having their way from a toughness standpoint, that, you know, he, he you know, it, it, he stood up to that and, you know, kept going to the basket strong, you know, um, kept playing hard, um, you know, kept showing the intangibles that, that we love. You know, so while I think that Davion Mitchell got the best um, of Jalen Suggs, I, I actually came away really impressed uh, w- with Jalen and, and his toughness. And uh, I, I have no doubt that, you know, when he gets to the NBA, you know, not only is he going to be, you know, one of the, he's, he's going to be skilled, uh, but he's going to be tough and he's going to be able to face adversity uh, and be competitive as well. So uh, I came away, you know, really impressed with both guys. I did as well, and I, I think you have to give the nod to Mitchell here. But it's not always comparing apples to apples. You've got a, a, a freshman, uh, a 19-year-old Jalen Suggs uh, versus Mitchell, who's 22 years old, who has uh, a lot more experience under his belt and uh, was getting a lot more help from his teammates, frankly, uh, than Suggs was for most of the night. I, I think you and I were um, texting throughout the game at the end. It, you know, Suggs looked like the only guy left on Gonzaga after a while that that wasn't going to concede this game and uh and, and you you could see the emotion on his face after the game was over um who was the most emotionally distraught and one thing I've been saying about Suggs all year is that this is a a young man that not only loves to win but he hates but he to, lose. Hates to yep. lose yep he hates to lose and you just look at his reaction at the end of the game and, uh, you know, the, the tears are common. It's, it's always the thing that, like, just, man, hits me in the heart uh, in, in, in March Madness is, is to see the tears and uh, to, to know how much these young people care um, about what's happening. But you, you could see that, that emotion that, that he hated this outcome. 
And I think it's going to be something that's going to be really helpful to him. And we, we haven't even talked about the UCLA game with him, and, and maybe we should talk about it for a few minutes. Because everybody's talking about the the half-court shot uh, that that sends them to the championship game. And that, that was huge. But and, and I know that I know that he practices those shots and lots of guys do, but let's, uh, you know, he's not practicing banking that shot. I, I think that's, that's probably not how the practice goes. And so we can, we can chalk some of that up a bit to, it was a good shot, but there was a, there was an element of luck there. I thought it was another, uh, another point in the game where he has this incredible block gets the catches the block um, and then makes a beautiful half court pass to a to a streaking Drew Timme, uh to uh, for a layup on the other end that really encapsulated what this young man does athletically the motor with which he plays the game uh, the fearlessness uh, that pass was an absolute fearless pass that a quarterback makes uh, in a, in a big game. That to me will be the the image that lives on for me about Suggs in this tournament and what sort of prospect you're getting uh, when you think about you know drafting him in the top five. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, first of all, the block was on Cody Riley, and um, for those who don't, don't know Cody Riley, he's you know six seven, six eight. It's one of the strongest guys in college basketball, pound for pound. And for, you know, a point guard uh, to, to pull off a block shot on somebody like Cody Riley, uh, when Cody's trying to go and dunk the ball, um, number one, that's remarkable. Number two, to have the wherewithal to, to stay in bounds uh, on the recovery. Uh, number three, to have the basketball IQ to realize, uh, to, to, to realize, okay, you're in transition. Uh, to push the ball, and then the number four to have the skill to pull off that bounce pass, which is almost a half court bounce pass, um, you know, to to Drew Timme uh, for the dunk, and you know, it was just it, it was it was a play that, like you said, it it encapsulates um, what what Jalen Suggs is as a prospect. He's highly skilled on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, he's highly competitive, um, but the, the best thing that you can say about him, uh, he's a winner. Like, he makes winning plays. And, you know, there's no, there's no half-court bank shot if, if Jalen Suggs doesn't make that play on Cody Riley. Um, they were already up a possession. I believe UCLA was up a possession. Uh, it was very late in the game. Um, they were, you know, Cody Riley – you know, he, he finishes that dunk there of two possessions um, very, very late in the game. And UCLA probably wins that game. Um, you know, so that that play uh, to me, it, it saved the game for Gonzaga. Um, and, you know, obviously the, the half court shot, it won the game. Um, but, you know, that play saved the game. And, and there's there's a big difference. We're going to save our talk about where we have these guys ranked, our third segment, Tony and I are going to reveal our new top 10, uh, part of my preview for something that's going to come a little bit later in the week, Big Board 4.0, um, that's coming out soon. I, I want to move to Davian Mitchell, though, for a minute. And uh, we, you are, we've already talked a little bit about him, but it, it's so interesting with his draft stock, right? You know, before the season, you know, he's, 
he's a he's a potential second rounder. Tony, I got to give you a lot of credit of of all of my guests that I've had on. You were highest on him early. Uh, you identified him really early in the season. I think you saw the connections to Donovan Mitchell really early. But even when you and I were talking in those early days, we're talking about a, a prospect that's going to crack the first round, uh, which at the time was was aggressive, um, right? As we've watched him throughout the season, kept moving him up. He was number 18 on my big board 3.0, uh, which, which uh, was released right before the NCAA tournament started. We're talking now, everybody seems to be talking about him a, a, as a lottery pick. How does a player that is 22 years old have this sort of meteoric rise? And it reminds me a little bit of uh, Damian Lillard. I'm not, I'm not comparing them as players, but Damian Lillard was, was a guy who just kept creeping, creeping, creeping up. Uh, and then it was actually workouts that, that did the, the final sort of propel him into a, you know, a top, top six pick. Uh, in in the draft, and and I see that uh, with Mitchell. You think he's a lottery pick? I think he should be one of the top ten picks. So when we reveal this big board, he's going to be in my top ten. Um, and and this is why. Um, I at this point, I just don't care how old he is, <laughs> um, because he he's just too good on both ends of the floor, um, and every strength that he has matches up with what strengths you need uh, as a point guard to be successful in today's NBA. Um, uh, he's, he's as good a defender as there is in this draft. I, I, struggle, to, I struggle to find a, a better defender to, that in this draft right now. Um, he... Never dies on picks. He gets over on picks. Um, he stays in front. He's very, very strong. He's got very long arms. Uh, he's got, you know, the long arms give him a positive wingspan, and he is super competitive. Um, so defensively, he reminds me of Marcus Smart. Um, he's uh, an excellent athlete. Uh, he's got burst and explosion. Uh, off the dribble, um, that that's hard to teach. Uh, so it's going to be very hard uh, for for guys to stay in front of him uh, at the NBA level, uh, um, you know. But he combines that with uh, he makes a lot of good reads off the pick and roll. He makes excellent reads off the pick and roll. Uh, so I think he's going to be a good pick and roll player. Um, and, you know, and, and I think that he's a, a good passer. Um, and I think he has upside because his jump shot is nowhere near where I, it needs to be. Um, you know, and, and he's from, you know, every, everybody that I have talked to, uh, he's an elite worker. So, you know, I, I think that his jump shot has, has significant upside. And if his jump shot comes along to, to where, to where I think it can get, uh, it's going to be really difficult to, to, to deal with him, uh, as an offensive player. I think that he has a chance to be a two way, um, uh, to be a significant two way player at the NBA level. Uh, and I, I just, outside of the top five, uh, I don't see, um, 
a better point guard in the draft at this point. So um, what the question is, you know, can the 19 year olds in this draft catch up to him? Um, and I'm, I'm sure that there are some GMs that are going to say yes. Uh, but, you know, to me, I think at some point you just you just can't overthink what he is right now uh, and what he has a chance to be. And I, I, I just think that he uh, has a chance to be uh, a special player. I I do as well, and I um, I also agree with you. He's going to end up in in my top ten as well, and uh, I think for all those things you said, he's he's Mar- Marcus Smart seems like a really good comp. I've heard Kyle Lowry um, a bit. I've heard a a better offensive Patrick Beverly uh, from from some teams, and you know it's interesting. You you reference his shot has a long way to go, but he shot forty five percent from three. Uh, at, at, at Baylor this year. And, and so even though I think what we're talking about is, is form and consistency, it's not like this this young man's shot is broken by any stretch of the imagination. And in, in fact, on, on our board, uh, he has one of the best three-point shooting percentages of anybody in the draft. And, and so it's, it's, it's not what I would call a weakness as, as opposed to something that, that, that could be improved at the next level. But I, I agree with you. I think that this... Uh, that this draft is interesting. We'll talk about this in our third segment. That after those top five guys, everybody is either one of these prospects that has like a, a definable NBA skill, but but then the rest of their game is a pretty big question mark, or or they're just big big upside players that that just didn't really get it done their their freshman season uh, in in college. And and Mitchell's Mitchell's one of those few guys that has so many things going for him. Really, to me the the biggest thing is that he's 22 years old. And I know for a lot of casual listeners, they're like, well, why does that matter? He's 22. And it's just for that point that you brought up, right? <clears throat> Can a 19-year-old catch up? Davian Mitchell wasn't a top 10 pick as a freshman at Auburn. And and he's in, in, in continued to improve his game. And, and that's something that you have to project when you're thinking about drafting uh, 19-year-olds. Okay, when we come back, we are going to talk about a few other prospects uh, on Gonzaga, on Baylor, on UCLA uh, that impressed us uh, this week. Uh, you've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. This app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sports. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait for you all to join the app. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And if you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. 
rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. And I'm back with the Athletics' Tony Jones talking 2021 March Madness Final Four NBA Draft Stock Watch. Before we dive into that, Tony, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcast. We've talked about... Davian Mitchell. We've talked about Jalen Suggs. Let's talk about Corey Kispert, who came into this into this tournament as as for sure a lottery pick. Uh, some people had him edged all the way up to like eight, nine, uh, ten. Some of the teams that I talked to, I don't think this was the greatest tournament for him, and and especially the last couple of games. Uh, against UCLA, against USC, and then certainly against Baylor. I think that we saw some of the warts of Corey Kispert as well. And the question is, do you focus on that? Do you focus on his struggles hitting shots the last few games? Or do you focus on this entire season and, and, and frankly, because he's a senior, multiple seasons where he's been arguably the best shooter in college basketball? So I'm... This is going to, I don't know how this is going to sound. Um, I'm really disappointed in Corey Kisper. And I'm really, and, and I'll tell you why. And it has nothing to do with the shooting. Um, well, it does have a little bit to do with the shooting. My disappointment with the shooting is that he didn't take more. I don't care. Like, you're Corey Kisper. You're the best shooter in the draft by a country mile. It doesn't matter whether you miss your first 10, your first 15, your first 16. You do not pass up open shots. And he and and he passed up open shots. We've made the comparison with him to, to Kyle Korver and, and a bigger J.J. Redick and Joe Harris. Those guys miss those guys miss shots. Duncan Robinson, those guys miss shots. Guess what? They're letting that next one fly. It doesn't matter how many shots that you miss, you let that next one fly. So I don't care about Corey Kispers missed shots, um, the shots that he missed yesterday, and frankly, the shots that he missed um, 
um, on Saturday. I forget what he went on Saturday. Um, you know, I do care that he seemed he seemed to to stop shooting the basketball, and 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 to me that 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 to me was is was was something that I was disappointed at. I was disappointed in him defensively. Um, he got hunted uh, last night uh, by Baylor's guards uh, time and time again. Um, you know, but you know, I think that that defense was something that that we had a little bit of a question mark. I actually thought that he, you know, in comparison to some of the 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 better shooters uh, in the league at the same stage, I think that I thought that that Kispert's been better defensively. Um, but the one biggest thing that I was disappointed in with with Kispert uh, last night was he was the one to me that I thought just stopped competing. And uh, I thought he was the one that backed down um, to, to, to Baylor's physicality. Um, and, and I just think that that's just, in, in, in the annals of basketball, that's just a gigantic no-no. Like, you never back down to your opponent. It doesn't matter what your opponent is. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. It doesn't matter you know, uh, what bravado your, your opponent shows, you never back down. And if that was the one thing uh, that I loved about Jalen Suggs' game um, last night, that's the one thing that I did not love about Corey Kispert's game last night. That being said, Corey Kispert is still very high on, on, on my board because, you know, when you're 6'8", like he is, and when you shoot the ball like he is, and you move the ball like he – move without the ball like he does, um, you know, he's, he's still, um, a really good NBA prospect. Um, but I, I did think that, um, I, I did think that he had a tough night last night. Uh, I thought he had a tough night, uh, on Saturday night. And I, even though I think he made some big shots on Saturday night and, and I think that, uh, he had a tough tournament overall. I just got off the phone right before we hopped on this podcast with a general manager who roasted Kispert for this, for this exact reason. And, 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 and his, and his argument was, you know, look, you can get drafted as high as he's projected, which for most people it's in the lottery. When you have an elite skill like shooting, everybody in the NBA needs shooters. But if that's going to be your calling card, you have to have a certain mentality as a shooter. And that mentality is exactly what you described, Tony. It's it's that I missed nine shots in a row. The tenth one's going in, uh, right? That's that's the way shooters thrive in the NBA. Everybody misses shots and, and sometimes misses a lot of them. Even Steph Curry can have nights where he goes two for ten from three. It, it happens. It's not not usually the case, but it but it happens. Steph doesn't quit shooting, uh, right? Joe Harris doesn't quit shooting. Kispert seemed to me to be emotionally and mentally affected uh, by the fact that his shot wasn't falling, uh, that he, he seemed a bit overwhelmed by the athleticism and physicality, not just of Baylor, but also even a bit of UCLA and, and, and USC. And it, you never felt, even though this is the senior on the squad, right? This is, this is the four-year senior. This is the most experienced player on the floor for Gonzaga. 
like at any point he was going to try to take over this game or, or try to turn the tide. He just seemed like he kept kind of fading into the background. And, you know, it was Suggs and Timmy, uh, you know, trying to do their best, uh, you know, to, to, to carry this team. It, it was it was never Kispert. And, and some of that speaks to, you know, some of the weaknesses in his game and what he's good at and what he isn't. And, and certainly we're looking at a small sample size. In those last four games, uh, I did the math. He was 9 for 28. Uh, from three, and to Tony's point, he probably should have taken 38 or 48 shots instead of 28 shots uh, from three. But it, it does now raise the question, where do you draft him? Uh, because if if there is something that is mentally soft uh, about him, that doesn't bode well just because you're a great shooter, uh, because shooting is one of those skills that has a huge mental component to it. Um, you have to have a, a level of confidence, and and I think I think it was a disappointing uh, performance for him. I don't know exactly where to put him on uh, on my big board 4.0 yet. It's it's one of the guys that I've been talking to a number of teams that try to figure out where ultimately um, he's going to go. Let's talk about the most outstanding player in the Final Four, Jared Butler. Uh, he wins that award. He had a big game. Uh, against uh, Gonzaga, 22 points, had seven assists, uh, shot eight for 14 from three uh, in the la- in the final four. Looked every bit the part of this versatile scorer, shooter, defender who can play an important role in the NBA team. There's still question marks about him and about his athleticism, about what position he plays in the NBA. Where do you stand right now with Jared Butler? Um, yeah, I think he's a guard. Um you know, one of the things that that I put on Twitter last night was, you know, um, jazz fans, Utah jazz fans, forget about Davion Mitchell because, you know, you just aren't going to be able to draft him. Um, the guy you should be drooling over is Jared Butler. And, you know, part of me wonders if Butler is going to be gone before the jazz have a chance to draft him as well. Um, but you know, some of the question marks, which are, you know, uh, he doesn't have elite level athleticism. Um, you know, he is 6'3 or 6'2 or whatever he is, and he is a senior. Uh, it might keep him around, um, but he, he, he's as tough as they come. He can really shoot basketball. He can really create off the dribble. Uh, he can really defend. Um you know, so so he has real upside as 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 a guy who could come in and you know he, he's kind of like Desmond Bain, right? Like uh, Desmond Bain, you 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 wonder what his upside is. Um, you wonder if he could you know if he could defend in space. But guess what? You know, Desmond Bain's just a basketball player, and, and Jared Butler to me might be the Desmond Bain of of this draft uh he's never he's not going to wow you with his measurables he's not going to wow you with uh his 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 um athleticism but just don't overthink because when you draft him you're drafting an nba rotation player right away and he's a basketball player and and I think that that's that's the best thing that you can say say about Jared Butler. He might not ever be able to, he might not ever be a star, um, but he's going to play at a certain level, 
uh, that I think, in my opinion, is going to keep him in the league for a decade. I've heard a, a couple of interesting comps talking to some NBA guys, Malcolm Brogdon, uh, as as uh, maybe a, a high uh, a high point for him, Aaron Aflalo, uh, who played at UCLA, as as maybe another uh, prospect. You know, slightly undersized combo guards. He's really shot the ba- basketball well, and I think that's one thing that you have to look at um, with him as well is how well he's he shot the basketball at Baylor. I, I don't think he's going to be on the board Tony, when the when the <laughs> Jazz draft. I, I, he I, might not be. I, I think that it's going to be really interesting when you start getting into uh, out of the lottery, whether teams err on the side of the Greg Browns, Sharif Coopers, Isaiah Jacksons, um, Zaire Williams uh, type prospects, or whether they're at going for the Chris Duarte's uh, or, um, you know, or Jared Butler you know, those type of prospects, you know, going forward in the draft. And it, and it seems to be, as I've been talking to more and more teams, that there seems to be a lot more faith in the Duartes and the Butlers of the world right now than there are the Greg Browns and Zaire Williams. And and we know that when draft night comes, uh, upside rises. And it, it, it typically does, and we're always a slightly surprised. But I, I'm not sure this year that, that some of those players like that are going to end up being drafted higher than they might be in other seasons just because there seems to be a considerable doubt about as you move out of the lottery the long-term prospects of some of these freshmen uh, who are ranked really highly coming out of high school but maybe had mixed records uh, in college basketball let's talk about matthew mayer strange prospects never started a game for baylor uh can watch him one night and man, his translation to the NBA looks obvious. He's six nine. He can really shoot the basketball. High energy player. Uh, can defend multiple positions. You watch him the next night. He's wild. He's playing out of control a little bit. He doesn't have a huge impact. He had a couple of big games uh, in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. He was actually really good against Houston. He also had a big game against Wisconsin. Didn't do much in the final uh, against Gonzaga, but they didn't really need him to. Uh, he actually played fewer minutes than he's than he's used to playing, uh, in in part because I just don't think they really needed him there. Where does he ultimately get drafted? I just want to say I just love I just love his mullet. Can I just say that? <laughs> like okay, I, I I I love his mullet and and uh, I think that that his hairstyle is just awesome and. Um, I just keep pushing that Dwayne Shenses thing. Like he looks like Dwayne Shenses. Rest in peace for Dwayne Shenses. Uh, you know, I I love the mullet. I I really do. So, okay, let's get that out of the way. Uh, that being said, um, I think Matthew has a chance. So the the question I have for you is: Does Matthew Mayer go back to school, or does he enter the draft? That that's the question I have for you. It's it's like a it's like presidential races. If they're doing anything, they're running. Uh, and I I think he I think he's at least going to test the draft waters. I think he he's one for sure that probably doesn't hire an agent out of the gate. But I think there's enough interest in him as a as a late first round prospect, uh, given you know the success of guys like Duncan Robinson 
uh, in the NBA that that he get that he gets a look and you know then he'll see what the evaluation is coming back. But I definitely think that we'll see his name in the draft. Whether he stays in the draft is probably the bigger okay. question. So okay, that's that's cool. I I think he's an NBA player because like you said, he's six foot nine and he can really shoot the basketball. But beyond that, he can really actually handle basketball. Like he can make plays off the dribble, um, and he's 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 a good athlete for his size, uh, both on the ground and vertically. Uh, he moves his feet well defensively, and he has. And we t- w- w- same thing that we talked about Kispert, which was the gunslinger mentality. Matthew Mayer has a gunslinger mentality. Is one of the reasons. Unconscious. Uh, He just does not care. And I love that about him because that's going to be his NBA. That's going to be his NBA skill. Like when he gets to the league, his job, when he gets onto the floor is going to be to shoot the basketball and he's going to shoot the basketball. You are never going to have to go to Matthew Mayer and say, look, Matt, I I just saw you. um, I I just saw you pass up two or three open shots and I really need you to take the next one. You're never going to have that conversation with him. And he's a guy that does not remember his last miss. And, and I think that, um, you know, I, I, he, he's, he jumps, he jumps off the screen when you watch him play. Uh, And for him to be able to jump off the screen coming off the bench on that team with so many good players um, I, I, I think that that's a heck of an accomplishment, uh, for, for him, uh, even last night, um, even last night, he didn't even do anything, but he made one move where I was like, wow, that's a pro move. You know, he dribbled, uh, got into the lane off his right. Uh, he was shut, uh, he, his path was shut off, uh, reverse pivot, spin, turnaround, jump shot, uh, in the lane, uh, and it was bottoms. And I was just like, yeah, that's a pro move. And for a six foot nine guy to be able to pull that stuff off, uh, I, I, I absolutely 100% think he's going to play in the NBA. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, it, it'll be interesting to see if he goes back to school um, because I, I think he's one of the guys that can, can improve his stock uh, by going back to school, taking a feature role uh, with, with, with the guards being gone uh, and, and, and really uh, – you know, and, and really come into the forefront as, as an offensive weapon. Let's talk Joel Ayayi, who, frankly, if it isn't for his play in the first half of that, that UCLA game, I mean, he keeps, he keeps Gonzaga in the game uh, in, in the first half before uh, Tim A and, and Suggs take over uh, in the second half. He's been an interesting prospect all year, you know, people have debated, you know, what he is and, you know, is it this year, is it next year, whatever. He had a pretty strong NCAA tournament. Lots of talk now that maybe he's a, a bubble first round guy. Where do you see him? What do you think about his pro prospects? Um, I thought he was impressive um, on Monday night. I thought he was super good uh, against UCLA. I thought he was terrific. Um you know, he, he's a guy to me that I think is going to play in the league because uh, he has three and D upside. Um, when you're able to guard wings uh, and shoot the basketball, um, you know, you're going to get a shot in the league. He's six for six, long arms, uh, really good in transition. Uh, the one thing I really like about him is that he moves extremely well without the basketball. 
Uh, he's a smart and explosive cutter. Uh, so he gets a lot of layups that way. So if, if you're an NBA team uh, with um, uh, that's a good passing team, uh, he's going to be a, a good fit for you. Uh, I think that he, uh, he makes shots. Uh, I think that he's fearless. Um, and, and like you said, uh, you know, he, he was able to, as, as a fourth option, uh, to, to be really impactful against UCLA uh, and really impactful against Baylor in that first half as well. Okay. Let's talk about Johnny Juzang, who, <laughs> I mean, if you want to just say who had the best tournament uh, of any prospect, it, it's, it's hard to find a guy that was better than Johnny Juzang. And what he does, uh, not just against UCLA, but also against Michigan, 28 points against Michigan, 29 uh, against uh, Gonzaga. He was a scoring machine and a guy that was not on the radar as a, as a first round pick or really, frankly, a second round pick uh, before the tournament goes. Shoot proves to not only be a, a, an excellent three point shooter, but he's got a a, a sick mid range game uh, as well. And you know, one of the things is is if you dive into the into the numbers and and I like I like to go over to hoopsmath.com. Um, uh, he shot forty nine percent this season on two point jumpers. That that's an that's an incredibly high number, especially given the number uh, of shots that that he took. Uh, you know, the NBA is always looking for guys who can score the basketball. He clearly instinctually can score the basketball. He's another one of these guys that's going to keep taking shots whether he makes them or not. Made some huge, huge plays for UCLA. Everybody remembers Suggs' three-point heave, but it was Johnny who scores the point to tie up the game just with seconds to go in the game, gets his own own miss, rebound, puts it back up. Where does this guy go in the draft? He's not the world's greatest athlete. He's not going to have, have blow-by-you speed athletically. He needs to add strength. I'm not sure what he's going to add on the defensive end of the ball, but where do you draft someone like Johnny? Giuseppe? Okay, so we've seen this tournament before. We've seen a guy who, in in you're going to love this comparison, um, because it's it's both a, a positive comparison and a negative comparison. But we have seen this before. Uh, we have seen a guy who wasn't on a draft board come into the NCAA tournament, make every shot, and win a national championship. You remember Sean went, wasn't he wasn't anywhere close on anybody's draft boards going into that tournament, and he had like he had one of the best tournaments. I mean, obviously Glenn Rice was ridiculous, but Sean Higgins had a great tournament, and this was a guy. A lot like Johnny Juzang, I believe uh, he was like a McDonald's All-American coming out of high school. Didn't really play well, I believe, in his freshman year. And then in his sophomore year, he had, you know, he, he, he improved his stock tremendously. And then he went to the NBA. The problem was Sean Higgins didn't improve any part of his game after that, beyond that. And he didn't last. He, he didn't have a great NBA career. So. This is Johnny Juzang, right? Like he's, you know, now, I mean, he's, I, I, we texted each other about this 
you know, because last week we were talking about this and I was like, well, maybe, maybe he should go back to school. And you were like, no, he shouldn't go back to school at all. And, and I think Saturday night I texted you and I said, yeah, <laughs> he should run to the draft. He has no business ever going back to school and playing another basketball game. And you were like, yep. And I was like, yeah, you, you were definitely right. So Johnny Juzang, uh, he's going to get drafted. Uh, whether it's first round, second round, he's going to get drafted. Uh, he can shoot the ball. He can shoot the ball with size. He has got to develop every other part of his game. He's got to develop defensively. He's got to develop more off the dribble. He's got to develop his playmaking. Uh, and he's got to continue to get stronger. He's got to continue to get more athletic. Um, you know, because right now, the one thing that he does right now is shoot the basketball and score. And what he has going for him is that he makes a lot of contested shots. Like you can play really good defense on him and he's still going to make the shot. Um, and, and that's, that's really good. Um, but he's got to develop the other parts of his game that don't involve having a basketball. Um, otherwise he's going to put himself in peril uh, when he gets to the league for having, of having a short career. Um, but that ability to shoot the ball, if it translates to the, translates to the NBA, uh, he has a chance to be a heck of a weapon in that sense. Uh, he's just got to develop uh, every other part of his game uh, so that he can ensure that he has a long career at the next level. You draft him in the first round, Tony? Uh, yeah, I, um, I would consider him at 30. I would absolutely consider him at 30 because I would consider him anywhere from 25 to 30 because those are the teams that typically uh, do well. Those are the teams that typically have – um, those are the teams that typically have strong support within their franchise. Uh, those are the tip teams that typically develop well. Um, so I, I would, I would anywhere between 20 and 30, I would, I would absolutely consider him. One last guy that I was impressed with this whole tournament, Jaime Yaquez Jr. out of UCLA. Uh, I think he moved his self onto the draft radar screen um, with a with a great uh, performance for UCLA uh, in the tournament. I, I definitely don't think this this is a player that that needs to come out this year. I think that would be a mistake. But he's on the radar screen now. What did you think of him? Um, I think he does so many things well, um, and and I really like that about him. Um, you know, he's kind of stuck between positions a little bit because. Um, you know, he is six foot six and, you know, he's more suited for like a face up four than a true, than a true wing. Um, but he's a tough kid. He's a, he's a very skilled kid. Um, and, and, you know, he's, he, he, he's a kid that does a lot of things. Uh, well, he rebounds well, he's a good passer. He's a good ball handler for his size. Uh, he can make shots from the perimeter. He can finish at the basket. Uh, he just does a lot of things well. So uh, he's somebody that I, I really liked and, and, and somebody that really jumped off the screen for me uh, at, in, during this tournament. This may seem like a, a little bit of a crazy comparison, um, 
But his game reminds me a little bit. He's a little bit smaller of a player. Uh, Andres Nocioni. I like um, that. That's a good and comparison, the, the, yeah. You know, the toughness, uh, the all-around all game. You know, it, it was actually in some ways I thought a, 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 a bit of a foreboding moment for Gonzaga how much his toughness and his physicality gave them issues. Uh, in that game, he when he was on the floor, uh, he gave them problems uh, all night. I thought I thought that was one of his best best games of the tournament. Um, other than that that opening Michigan State game where he went off with for twenty seven points, uh, I, I thought it gave him a lot of a lot of problems with that physicality. I, I think he's a really interesting prospect. I'd like to see him continue to develop down the road. Okay, when we come back, Tony and I are going to unveil. Our, our new top 10s, uh, minus part of what is going to become later in the week, uh, Big Board 4.0. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. The improved Built Bar tastes even better than the old ones. There are in 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. That's on top of all of the original flavors that you typically love. The Coconut Almond, the Raspberry, the Banana Bread. One of my favorites, the Mint Brownie. Also love that Orange Bar and the Coconut One as well, of course, being in Hawaii. And the great thing about these bars is that they taste like a candy bar, but they're actually healthy. And for, for someone like me who exercises a lot and runs a lot and cares a lot about what he puts into his system. I love the fact that it's low calorie, it's low sugar, it's got high protein, it's got high fiber, 19 grams of protein, uh, in fact, which is which is pretty awesome. And so go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on. That's builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. And we are back talking 2021 NBA Draft Final Four. Before we get to that, want to highlight another draft podcast that's on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, it's Locked On NBA Draft. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tony, it's time. Going to put us on the spot here. And, and talk about our new top 10s now that the college basketball season's over. We've been able to scout all these guys. Let's start with your top five, and then I'll give my top five, and then we'll do six through 10. So go ahead. Your top five right now. This is Tony's big board. So my top five right now, uh, I'm going Kay Cunningham at number one. I'm going... Evan Mobley at number two. I'm going Jalen Green 
at number three. I'm going Jalen Suggs at number four and Jonathan Kaminga at number five. Okay, Tony, mine pretty similar, have one off there. I've got Cade Cunningham holding on at one. I've got Evan Mobley holding on at two. I have Jalen Suggs holding on at three. Jalen Green at four, Kaminga at five. My top five doesn't change. I think it's going to be interesting when we see how the lottery plays out, but it, it still feels to me, just talking to people around the league, that this is Cade Cunningham's you know, number one pick to lose. Like In virtually all the scenarios that I've talked to teams, it's Cade Cunningham. Mobley has definitely entered the conversation, I think, for teams. I think I think it's it's fairly unlikely at this point that it's going to be Suggs, Green, or Kaminga. But, you know, workouts are still coming. And certainly in the case of workouts, Green and Kaminga could help themselves. Does it hurt Green and Kaminga a bit that they didn't play college basketball now? I mean, we've talked for months about how much the G League was closer to what NBA basketball is really like and that they're playing with men and veterans every night versus what's happening on the college basketball side. But they don't get the platform, Green and Kaminga don't, that Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley got uh, the last couple of weekends. And they don't get the emotional moments that get caught up. I mean, Suggs, that shot uh, and several other plays have have boosted his opinion around the league in ways that you just don't get that in the G League with Green and, and Kaminga. How much do you think this overall plays into where teams ultimately draft guys because their final impression of a Jalen Suggs or an Evan Mobley is in this very emotional, dramatic moment versus the sort of petering out of the G League? Well, I think it hurts them in the court of public opinion um, because, you know, in the court of public opinion, right, like, Jalen Suggs should be, you know, in in contention for the number one pick. But amongst the guys that actually make the decisions, um, I don't think anybody's taking Jalen Suggs over Kay Cunningham. And, you know, I think that, you know, everybody saw what Jalen Green did. Like, I think Jalen Green really helped himself. Um, you know, like on the board, it's only going to jump from like one spot or wherever if that. But you know, I think that, you know, people looking at Jalen Green's upside, uh, looking at his work ethic, and then looking at how he performed in the games in the bubble, uh, I think that he helped himself uh, actually significantly. You know, so, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, if you go on Twitter and you believe Twitter, you know, that, that, stuff, that stuff helps. But, you know, when you're going into boardrooms and stuff, I mean, you know, it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't make any any difference uh, whether you play you know in, in in Europe or in Australia or you know in in college basketball or in the G League uh, those guys are gonna gonna pick the, the the best players. This is all a long way of saying uh, Twitter fans, draft fans, don't roast us that we don't have Jalen Suggs number one on our board because he went the furthest. Uh, in the draft, if that's the case, you know, Davian Mitchell should be number one on our board, and he's not going to be. All right. Now I think it's the big reveal. I, I think that's the consensus, by the way, top five in the league. I, I haven't talked to any team, any scout that has a different player than those five players in their top five right now, and I and I doubt that's going to change. Uh, 
I, I really do. And unless unless something happens with an injury or there's some medical issue that we don't know about, I, I don't really think that's going to change. So let's do pick six through ten, where I think there is less consensus, though I think there's started to be some growing consensus, at least about the players that are in that top ten uh, at six through ten, even if the the order isn't agreed upon. Go ahead, Tony. Uh, pick six through ten. For I have you. Franz Wagner at six. I have Scotty Barnes at seven. I have Davion Mitchell at eight. I have Keon Johnson at nine. And I have Corey Kispert at 10. Okay. We have four of the same guys in, in our in our six through ten, slightly different order. I've got Davian Mitchell at six. Uh, we can talk about that uh, in a minute. Uh, Franz Wagner at seven. That's where uh, he was on on my last board. Keon Johnson at eight. He drops a couple of spots. He was at six before. Scotty Barnes at nine. And uh, Tony, I have moved him up. Uh, your guy, the next Grant Hill, uh, Jalen Johnson. <laughs> I think may have weirdly been helped in certain ways. He doesn't. He leaves Duke early. Duke doesn't. I don't think Duke would have made the tournament anyway. But seeing some of the guys that have been ranked ahead of him struggle, I think may have have turned turned the tides a bit in Jalen Johnson's direction. The, the three guys that I the three guy I don't mean to interrupt you, but the three guys that I think uh, help got helped by some of the struggles. Um, are Kai Jones, Zaire Williams, because I I think Zaire, I, you know I you know obviously I think Zaire you know had had some issues, but I think his upside is 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 going to really help him in the pre draft um, pre draft process, and also Cameron Thomas from LSU because I just think he's a stone cold scorer. And I think that he can score in a lot of different ways. So I think those are three of the guys that got helped by some of the struggles. Okay. Uh, Franz Wagner, the, the, lots of, <laughs> you know, uh, lots of back and forth about him. You, you said definitively uh, after the sweet 16 game, he's number six on my board. Then he goes on and repays you by having, the worst game of his career <laughs> um, against UCLA goes one for 11 from the field has two chances to, to win or tie the game for Michigan air balls. One of those uh, it was, it was an absolutely horrid performance by Franz Wagner. Uh, I, I appreciate that, that you stuck with it and left him at six after his final impression being what it was. So let me ask you a question. Uh, after the air ball, after the air ball, um, to to tire win the game. Did he take the next shot? Yes, okay. he did. Were Corey Kispert had taken that next shot? I don't know, but based off what he did in the last couple of games with There's Gonzaga, maybe There's not. There's a question. But Franz took that next shot. So, you know, that that's the thing. Like, the makes or the misses don't really, you know, that's, I mean, obviously at some point they mean something, but, you know, what you have, um, you know, the thing with Franz Wagner to me is the defensive upside, the size for the position, the playmaking for, for the position for his size, which it, to me is almost off the charts. Uh, and, you know, once he gets stronger, 
once he figure once he figures once he figures it out in terms of shooting the basketball, uh, he's got a chance to be a really really good player uh, at the NBA level. Now I might be wrong, but I, I'm gonna stick with him at number six, and I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna trust myself there. All right, he's Tony Jones of the Athletic. If you're interested in seeing my full Big Board 4.0, you got a couple of options. You can go over to my new Substack site, www.nbabigboard.com, where I'm launching a, a new site. I know we had a lot of uh, traffic problems uh, at the end of the last year's draft, making up for that right now. Uh, you're going to go over there right now and see who's in and who's out of the NBA draft. I've compiled a list of everybody who's declared, people that are still sitting on the fence, people say they're going back to school. Uh, you can get that over there. You're going to see Big Board 4.0 debut over there later this week, as well as going to do a podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network going through Big Board 4.0. We'll do a top 30, but then I'll do a 31 through 60 uh, later as well. Uh, all the updates, still talking to a few NBA teams, still trying to put together uh, that list as we speak. That top 10 will be the top 10. You'll get the neck, the rest later on this week. Uh, have loved doing this with you, Tony. Really appreciate all the time that you've given us over the last month uh, talking March Madness. And we'll check in with you later as we get closer to the draft to, to see if anything has evolved in your thinking uh, around the draft as we get closer to the draft. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. This is this has definitely been fun. Love Tony Jones. Love all the work that he does. Check him out at The Athletic. Uh, he's been crushing it all year on the Utah Jazz, best team in the NBA. Um, lots of great stuff. Absolutely worth the, the sub subscription price to, to subscribe to The Athletic and, and Tony Jones and John Hollinger and a number of other great writers that are over there. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.